On this episode of the Break in the Game show, Austin and I are joined by Nate and Cole from Draft Deeper. We talk about how they came to become Draft Deeper. We talk about their hits and misses from the last draft and who are some players to look forward to for the upcoming draft. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is Austin Carr. Austin, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Stephen. It's another nice Sunday. The weather's been really pretty where I am, so it's, mm. been, it's been a great day. How are you doing? Uh, weather not so pretty. I like the rain, though. The rain doesn't bother me. It's been raining all day. Got March yeah. Madness on the TV all day long mm-hmm. and, you know, running after the youngins all day. So it's been, right. a, it's been a fun day. Fun day. I had a little oh, yeah. bit of a rough, uh, rough time with my bracket. I don't know how you're doing, but mine's busted for sure. I mean, if the Ra- if the Razorbacks keep doing what they're doing, then I'm going to be sitting pretty. I didn't have Texas yeah. too far today. You know, West Virginia was a little bit of a letdown to me. Syracuse mm-hmm. completely destroyed some of my side. But anyway, yeah. we'll talk about all that another time. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys today. We have the guys from Draft Deeper on, and we're going to talk about you know, how they got to be where they are. We're going to talk about the hits and the misses that they've had from the last draft and kind of who to keep an eye on for for this draft. But before we do, just want to remind everybody that support for Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with code BTG at manscaped.com. Please go check that out. Use promo code BTG to let them know that you came from us. Austin, are you ready to introduce our special guest that we have? Yeah, man, let's go. Let's go ahead and do it. I'm excited (laughs) to get going. All right. So the guys from Draft Deeper are joining us today. We have Nate and we have Cole. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing? Great. Loving life, man. We got the NCAA tournament going literally as we're recording this so it couldn't be any better right right there you go cole how about you man how's your bracket holding up uh it's shattered but that's okay mm. it, it gets shattered pretty quickly every year so yeah uh, i'm about enjoying the games and enjoying the excitement on the kids faces as they get to live out their dream there you go there you go yeah. and and we're we're draft experts right we're not bracket experts so you know exactly kind of kind of segregate that off to the side a little bit and we'll get into what we're really good at talking at least you guys austin and i were learning we're kind of gleaning off of your guys's expertise and others from around draft twitter that we've gotten the pleasure to know over the past couple of seasons and um we just want to talk to you guys real quick about kind of y'all's origin story like what's your you're kind of growing into your fanhood. What what made you guys want to really study the draft and how players translate over to to the professional level and things like that? So, Austin, you ready to get this interview going? Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm excited. Let's see what they have to say. All right. So we'll kind of pick off of each one of you guys as we go. So we'll start with Nate. Uh, Nate, can you explain to us a little bit about how you developed your love for the game of basketball and what growing up, what was your influence to really – kind of get into the draft process in particular? 
Sure. So I'll start off by kind of describing a little bit about where I came from, and that'll kind of put me on track to get to how I met Cole and how him and I got into a lot of this together. But going back awesome. to high school was really like when I started watching the game of basketball more closely and focusing in on college basketball and then really starting to get a grasp on who's going to be going into the draft and a lot of the young players that were going to make their way into the NBA. Um, so that's what led me to getting into like journalism class in high school, want to write about basketball, kind of do that for a living. Went to Temple University to study journalism. Okay. Yeah, well, wanted to be a basketball writer, but as I started doing more things for different outlets, I wrote for Rant Sports like really far back in the day. Did a lot of stuff for Fansided, to some other outlets, and I did the writing thing. But in studying the game more, I realized that I wanted to be in the game. So really late into my college career, I was like, why don't I try to go into a front office, be a scout, do that whole thing, analyzing the game, looking at it from a different perspective versus the the hot take media. There side you of go. things I, I, <laughs> I didn't realize at that time that you can do media different ways versus just yelling at a, at a camera like Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't realize that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Around that time, it was more people shouting at each other and not being very friendly to each other when they're discussing right. their takes. Yes, sir. So I, I pursued different avenues working in and taking different classes in uh, basketball evaluation and scouting and different media work in, in terms of like the video clients that every team uses. I went out to pro scout school in Vegas for a few years, did that whole thing. And it was hard to try to find a job, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's only 30 NBA teams. There's only so many jobs within front offices and there's only so many top college programs taken in. Um, clients and, and different workers that are outside of their general like manager base like yeah you're a manager in college that's a nice foot in the door to you know doing being like a video coordinator with the team or something like that so in, in trying to make that move in my career later I, I missed out on some early opportunities but at the same time I was able to learn get to know people and still do what I can on the side while working your your everyday job and, and just trying to make a living right kind of doing two things at once well that led me to Alon Vinokurov who is now a scout with the Los Angeles Lakers he actually had his own operation his own private scouting firm for years running what was called EV hoops at the time okay. and Cole was working there before I was so Cole was kind of like on his way out to do other things. And I was kind of like coming right in. So when we caught each other, like the, the tail end of his time there and the start of my time there, we developed a friendship and, and we love just talking about basketball in general, breaking down prospects on the side. And that led us to be able to reconnect a few years later. And that's how Draft Deeper was born. It was really my wanting to continue to try and break into the basketball industry and Getting that experience with EV Hoops, we were able to go scout games. We were able to participate in conversations with, with other executives and, and clients. And, and being able to gain some of that knowledge, it was like, well, I know how to do this, right? Like, why not give some of this knowledge to the public, kind of give the public an insight into how scouts actually operate on a day-to-day -day basis. And then in turn, being able to continue to evaluate prospects, do that whole thing. So that was really what started draft deeper and what I want it to be is I want it to be a public scouting service where we're not keeping any insider secrets, right? We're putting everything out there in terms of how we evaluate guys and how we talk about them. And we just want to be able to have conversation with 
everybody, especially pe people like you guys. We want to be on these shows and not, not just to advertise for the service, but we just want to talk about basketball, man. That's, that's what inspired Draft Deeper. That's excellent stuff. And, you know, I've interacted with you guys a little bit on – well, not a little bit, more so on Twitter <laughs> than obviously, you know, kind of face-to-face -face via the Internet, right, this type of dialogue. And, you know, you guys have been – very friendly, very uh, informative. I, I like the fact that I just started getting into evaluating talent. I've always been a fan of basketball. I feel like I have a little bit of an eye for talent, but when you actually start scouting, like that's different. When you look at a basketball player and say, oh, hey, this guy is pretty good at playing basketball. Well, how does that translate things like that? And uh, anytime that I've reached out to you guys or discussed a certain player online, especially on Twitter, right? You guys have been you have said your piece without making me feel completely like I had no idea what I was talking about. And I greatly appreciate about that. That's the guys. whole point, man. Cause it's not like we're complete 100% experts either. We're all still learning. So mm -hmm. if we were experts, we, we might be working in a front office right now, but we're still learning right. as well. We're young, you know, so why, why treat anybody else? Like they don't have any knowledge. Everybody has a point that they can contribute at all times. And usually someone else might say something to tweet back to us. And that might mean, uh, might make me think about something differently. So uh, that's what it's all about. It's about conversation and sharing ideas. Yeah, yeah. Stephen makes me think way too much on this show already. As it is, so. <laughs> oh, God, thinking. What's thinking that? Is a good thing. <laughs> oh, no, it is definitely. I'm, I'm really excited for what you guys have to say. I'm the I'm definitely the uh, the draft novice out of the four of us, for sure. So I've been doing a lot more with it this year than I have ever before. But um, I'm, I'm excited to learn from you guys. So no doubt. So, Nate, thank you for sharing your origin story. Cole, a little bit more about you, if you would be so kind, please. Sure. Um, you know, like Nate, it started around high school. Uh, thoughts started to develop about trying to get into talent, about talent procurement, identification, something like that uh, on the sports side of things. And it, and it kind of was born out of baseball, I'll be honest. Um, I started mm -hmm. playing Dynasty Baseball in high school. And that's where my love of like just researching prospects started to kick in. And once I had that love, it never really left me. Um, I started to look at school for sport management programs. Um, and I you know, fell in love with the idea of going to school for sport management and trying to work on the basketball team and somehow being like a, a scout for, you know, uh, you know, the last guy on the bench and being a scout for a college team. Um, so I, I toured around a couple of colleges, got a good feel for a few different sport management programs and thought that Drexel would be the best fit for myself, uh, close to home, being from South Jersey. Uh, and they seem to have one of the better up and coming sport management programs. So I signed myself up and luckily my dad had gone there. So I got in pretty easy. And uh, from there I was able to, you know, they really preach the internship at Drexel, if you know anything about them. So I first picked up an internship with the 76ers early in my sophomore year, uh, working for a guy by the name of Harvey Pollock. Who okay. Was yep. You might know him. Um, he's no longer with us. Unfortunately, he did pass away shortly after I, I got the chance to work for him, sadly. Um, but it was, it was a, a wonderful time. I was always early to the office and got to learn so much and just hear so many great stories from, you know, all his experience uh, from working with the team for 40 plus years. Um, but it was one of the last weeks I was there, I got an email from one of my advisors, uh, Heather Blackburn, and she was passing around a job description from Nate's eventual boss and my boss at the time, and my, my eventual boss as well, um, Alan, as he mentioned earlier. And it was like, he was just asking for an intern to come on and then do a lot of the grunt work that he had um, for his special projects that we worked on. Uh, and then, but also someone that was willing to contribute their basketball ideas and not, you know, be willing to learn and be open to learning what he had to, to teach. 
And so I emailed him immediately as soon as I got that. And uh, he replied back. It was like, I don't think you'll have time between school, uh, the Sixers internship and, and what I want you to do. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. The Sixers internship ends next week. Please give me a chance. Like, let's meet for mm -hmm. coffee in like somewhere in the city. And he was like, all right, like, let's let's go. So we met up um, and like like you guys are asking what one of his first questions is like, you know, what was your first basketball memory? Like, why did you fall in love with basketball? And of course, being from South Jersey, uh, it's Allen Iverson. There you uh, go. Hands down. My dad's one of my dad's high school friends had season tickets. And we used to sit in the rafter area right behind the hoop, like two rows behind his mom. So I have tons of memories of going to see AI and like hearing and seeing his mom just go crazy for him. So that was where basketball was definitely, you know, my love for basketball happened. Uh, and as I got to work for Alon and appreciate his eye for talent and the things he watched for, uh, you know, I just wanted, it drove me to be better, uh, both in basketball and baseball. I still do a lot of dynasty baseball um, on the side here, but I've wanted to stick with basketball just because I, out of that internship with Harvey and the Sixers, there was a few times I would get to stay throughout the whole day and get to stay for game nights. And man, when it would, when 501 rolled around, the energy in the building just like turned to a whole new level. And that was during some of the early tank years. So like, it's not like the Sixers were any good, <laughs> but, but the energy in the building was, was incredible. It was contagious. Everybody was just, you know, so much more excited. And I was like, man, I want to be a part of that somehow. And I think, if I ever get to be a part of it, this is probably my best option. So here we are trying to chip away and, and hopefully get there one day. Yeah, and you two do a lot of great work. I'm really looking forward to getting into kind of evaluating how we evaluate talent, things like that. But before we get into like hits and misses and who we think's next and things like that, um, Cole, I want to pose this question to you. And you've had a lot of experience, the both of you. Uh, what do you look for in a player? And I'm sure it's going to be based on position and things like that and team need. But um, really, what do you think makes a, a player be able to translate, whether that be from college, whether that be from now what we see in the G League or even internationally? Like what what skill sets allow a player to be able to contribute at that next level? Yeah. So without getting too specific here, um, I mean, I think every player needs to have at least one carrying skill. Um, and, and honestly, like one and a half. So something that they can do extremely well and then something they can fall back on if that's not going right for them that day. And then hopefully they have, you know, a couple other areas where you can see they're getting better. But that obviously depends on the spectrum of where you think this guy is a star or role player, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as just simple overall qualities that I look for, I mean, generally, if I'm scanning a game that I haven't I don't know much about any of the guys on the floor. I'm looking guys who can competently handle the basketball on a regular basis and pass the basketball right, make the right decisions on a consistent basis. Guys who have good shooting touch. I mean, if you can't shoot, handle, or pass, you're not making it very far uh, in basketball today. I feel like it doesn't matter what position you play. So on a general basis, that's definitely what I'm looking for. And then, of course, athleticism matters. You can't be a plotter. Uh, the, the guy in the Illinois game today is, was certainly very magical, but he's, you know, he's not an NBA-level athlete. So, um, you know, those are the general things I look for. And then you can get into the intangibles and whatnot. But um, it, heart hustle, you know, do his teammates like him? I think that's pretty easily discernible if you watch a guy enough uh, and stuff like that. And then, you know, what I would like to know on top of that is all, the, you know, what makes them tick. You know, I would love to be able to get in a room and, and talk to guys on another level. Uh, that's I think that's like the one thing I miss the most when I in my draft evaluation. But not to get too off steer there. That's, that's what I look for on a general basis. No, that's great stuff. Nate, how about you, man? What, 
What do you think makes a player be able to translate and play at that next level? Cole hit on a lot of the stuff that you can get off film, just how we're able to evaluate prospects right now. It's a, a, a little troubling that I wanted to start a draft service in the middle of a pandemic when <laughs> I couldn't be going to games and seeing a lot of these guys up close. But that's probably the other half to the book is everything you learn about them off the court as well as seeing them in a game in person, how much that athleticism just pops, right? Like there are things that you can see when you're at a game that you can't see on camera, like on film, how we're studying guys right now, but also just being able to be there for after the game interviews, trying to, to talk to different people around the team, trying to get to know the guys a little bit, exactly as Cole said in his last point, what makes them tick, right? Because all of that stuff matters too. Like, for, for example, we were just talking off the air a little bit about one of our favorite guys coming up in this 2021 draft, Jalen Suggs. Well, the mm -hmm. reason why everybody likes Jalen Suggs is because he's arguably the best leader in this draft class. You can tell from start to finish he's playing hard for his teammates. He's giving everything he's got. He's vocally communicates well with his teammates as well as his coaching staff. And those are things that you get a better feel for when you're actually in the arena because you can hear a lot of that, right? If you're sitting close enough, like if you're a scout at the game, you have your little media credential, like you're, you're, you're up close and personal, you can hear that. So that's a lot of the stuff that matters and I miss getting just like Cole because it can help change draft evaluation. Like when you get to learn about somebody, I'll give, an, I'll give another example. We're going to talk about a hit and a miss and somebody we like from this upcoming class, but one of my misses previously was, was Josh Jackson. Um, that wasn't necessarily a miss because of his talent. I think you're certainly seeing that talent level surface as he's gotten more comfortable adjusting to professional life in the NBA. He certainly had even some great makes this year for Detroit, but a lot of what's held him back are, are things that happen off the court that, you know, life hits us all in different ways and getting to know a little bit more about him and his backstory and where he's come from. Some of that information may or may not have changed my evaluation and having him potentially as the number one guy out of that draft class. Like I had him above Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball because mm -hmm. of the talent, because of his ability at 6'8 to be able to handle the basketball, make decisions for others. He was improving his jump shot during that whole entire year. Like by the time the year was over, he was his catch and shoot mechanics looked a lot better than what they did when he first stepped foot at Kansas. And that was a big thing that everybody thought he needed to improve on. But without having some of that other information, your evaluation can technically be wrong because what's the talent if you can't actually put everything together to make it work on the court. So there's a lot that goes into scouting, but Cole talked about a lot of the things that you can notice. And, and yeah, I miss getting some of that other information too. Yeah, no doubt. So Austin, after hearing this, man, like, there anything that you are kind of pen and papering right now what you want to look for moving forward with with oh, yeah. evaluating talent or for do sure you, do you hit on a lot of these same levels when you look at guys um I, I mean they hit a lot of things that i would definitely say are important and i mean things that i, I look for somewhat i mean the like he said the, both of them said you know actually getting in a room with these guys would be amazing but beyond that you know i just they hit on just about everything that i've i've been kind of looking for in this draft class I've got my my thoughts on some guys that I'm interested if we get a chance, but we'll so we'll get to that. All right, right on. And I just want to point out um, when you get to these upper echelon players, right, like guys that you know are going to be that top, you know, one through five, one through seven, maybe. I like to look at what these guys do when they don't have the ball in their hands. You know, are they parked in one spot? You do they are they willing to set screens for other people? Do they cut? Like I love. I love look, looking, and no pun intended, because we're part of the off the ball network. I love looking at what they do off the ball. You know, like what what do they do when they don't have the ball in their hand? 
because a lot of these guys, when they get to that next level, not every one of them are going to be the de facto playmaker. It just really depends on team situation, things like that. What we see with LaMelo Ball is not what we're seeing with Tyrese Halliburton. You know, if both of these guys are drafted in separate universes on the on the Hornets, they're probably both going to be that lead playmaker. But Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento plays alongside De'Aaron Fox, who is the de facto point guard. So what he does off the ball makes it a little bit easier for him to translate to some of these other scenarios, in my, in my humble opinion. So, Austin, I feel like we got a good you know history, their origin story, things like that. For let's sure. get to these hit and misses, man. What do you say? All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Nate, I would like to post to you. Now, you provided us this information beforehand, and I am so glad on the guy that you selected for your hit in this draft. I'm just curious as to why. I was really big on him. But the player that you think that's hit so far in this draft is who? So, so far, and again, it's really early to be determining, determining hits and misses. Of course, I should have class. led with that, yes. I mean, we're, but, there's a long way to go for these guys. But in terms of one guy that I've had my eye on, I know Cole had his eye on during the 2020 process, who's really started to make some things work, is Jaden McDaniels. Mm-hmm. 6'10 forward, drafted 28th overall for the Minnesota Timberwolves was looked at at one point as a potential top 10, top five guy. Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni had him number one overall at some point in, in, in the pre-draft process. So it's not like he was devoid of talent. It's not like that he should have slipped as far as he did, but there was a lot of stuff out of high school and then him getting to Washington that people didn't think that he was assertive enough on offense or had like this amazing feel for the game, despite all the tools he was able to showcase in high school, being the 6'10 versatile scorer from the perimeter, able to shoot the ball from three, handle the basketball, make decisions for others a little bit. People didn't feel like a lot of, enough of that translated at Washington, which yeah, he had a little bit of trouble offensively because he he's not he doesn't have this amazing build on him, right? Like he's long, but he's lanky. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's going to struggle finishing inside a little bit. But one thing that people overlooked tremendously was his defense. And mm-hmm. I can't for the life of me figure out why nobody talked about his defense pre-draft because he would make play – he would make like three to four deflections in, in a game in a row for yep. Washington where you're like, holy cow, like – how is nobody talking about this guy as a potential lottery pick anymore? Like, yeah, sure, some of the shooting percentages aren't there, but at the same time, he's still really young. He can grow into shooting the ball better. He showed an aptitude for doing it back in high school. So for some of the things that he may have lacked at doing a little bit at a high enough level at Washington offensively, he made up for it defensively in his energy, his hustle, and his tenacity, which people talked about going back to high school. He had some motor concerns. Well, I didn't see that at Washington. I didn't see that one bit in Washington, and I certainly haven't seen it with the Timberwolves either. For while he's not the the lights out offensive player quite yet for Minnesota either, at the same time he's been able to stay on the court and get more opportunities because of his defensive playmaking. I mean, he's averaging one and a half steals and blocks combined per game, and he's only playing like twenty minutes a night. So that's that's a pretty good number. And I, I Cole mentioned, and that's something I look for too when you're evaluating these guys. They have to have like one to two skills that can translate so that they can earn minutes so that they continue to expand parts of their game. Well, he has been shooting 38.5% on corner threes, which if you're shooting like close to 40% on corner threes, like that's an easy shot to be yep. able to make when you're open. <laughs> that, that, that's going to get you touches. That's going to get you minutes. Right. So 100%. For, Everything that he can't do, he's able to do enough. And given the size and the upside that we laid out for during his high school career, 
he's going to get his opportunities to really keep improving as long as he stays diligent and keeps working hard. And he, he, he's kept on working hard at his brother in Charlotte was also a very hard worker up to this yep. point. He wasn't exactly a high draft pick either, but he had to work, work some things out in the G League, and he's gotten more opportunities with one of the most exciting teams in the NBA this year. So I still like expect big things from Jaden McDaniels. Yeah, I liked him a lot too. Um, I'm curious just real quick, Nate, do you remember where you had him on your big board? So I had him as a lottery guy. So I had him like late lottery. Oh, which, I, which, fun <laughs> fact, we, we don't really do big boards over here at Draft Deeper. Okay. We kind of shied away from the big board aspect because we like talking about avenues for these guys more and how they're going to develop and ways that they can develop and improve versus just focusing on saying this guy's better than that guy. Sure, but I yeah. did do a 2020 big board, and yeah, he was like back end of the lottery for, for me. Not not too high, but at the same time, a guy where you're like, you can't let this guy like fall to like the late first round like he did. I had him ridiculously high. I loved his game so much, it's specifically for the defensive capabilities that you listed. I looked at him defensively as there's a, and you talk about avenues, there's an avenue where he could be like a Robert Covington style defender in the NBA where he may not, he may be serviceable man to man, but that help rotation, you could definitely, at least for me, when watching him play in Washington, I could see him developing into a very capable weak side help defender yep. and and that being his kind of lane that he could play. I actually had him fifth on my board. So y'all please don't throw like tomatoes at me or whatever, but um, no, I, I think he's, <laughs> he's probably like the, if he wasn't the best weak side shot blocker in the whole class, he's definitely like top three out of everybody coming in. But that was just pe- people don't want to talk about defense all the time. Right. They want to talk about offense. I love offense, defense. Offense, so. <laughs> I love defense. Right. But anyway, so Austin, what do you think about that? Jaden McDaniels as the as the hit for for Nate. I mean, it it sounds like you guys were pretty spot on. He's he's had a good year so far for sure. Um, you mentioned something about the G League, and I was actually kind of interested to ask you guys both this: how you felt? How now, guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen? Is it Jalen Green? Green, yeah, Jalen Green. Not so. Yep, yep. <laughs> both uh, both decided to go to the G League this year, and we didn't get to see a whole lot of them recently. They played a little bit, but how do you guys do? You guys adjust how you evaluate them at all since they're not playing against college? That's a good question. Know, uh, college opponents, or is it just the same thing? Call it. Take the G League question. You you uh, you, you love Jalen Green especially, so I yeah. love Jalen Green too. So right. would, That's why I was asking. Right. I, if if anything, I would say the G League is. It's definitely no worse than the highest level of competition. Like, if you take the top six to eight teams of college, it's probably what the G League is at this point okay. uh, in terms of like consistent competition, game to game. Um, so, I think they should be held in a little bit higher light. They're, they're going against pros. They're going against guys who have had pro instruction for at least one year, if not a lot more. Some of them, mm-hmm. um, and Jeremy Lin being one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. and and the guys are good vets. Yeah, yeah, the guys on their own team, like. There was just a different air about the G League this year. It felt like with with Ignite being in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought, I thought it was. I think they need to be evaluated as such. And you know, I, I kind of have them in the same light as as a kid playing overseas a little bit against grown men at this point. Right. I thought it was a very good, very good landscape for for these guys. Awesome. That's that's good to hear. I watched quite a bit of it, and I was I was pretty impressed with Jalen Green. So I just I wanted to get a feel for how the talent was stacked up around him. So. Very cool. There you go. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, Cole. Oh, go I, ahead, Nate. Go ahead. I'm I, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I mean, a good way for everybody to think about it in case they haven't really gotten a chance to watch the G League or get to know a lot about it is a lot of these guys, and Cole mentioned it somewhat about the veterans, but a lot of these guys either haven't made the league yet or they're looking to get back into the league. 
So mm-hmm. they're trying to prove themselves at a very high level and actually mm-hmm. earn a job. Whereas some of these college teams you might play, like they, they have prospects on there where you know they're probably not going to make the league or they're going to end up in that same boat. They might not be playing quite as hard all the time for, for a full game as some of these G League guys are. So it's kind of like think about if you're at a job and you know there's somebody going to take your spot, you're probably not going to just slack off. You know that you could potentially lose your payroll, right? You want to bring home, bring home the bread to your family. So you're, you're going to work as hard as you can. That's that's a great way to think about the competition they're going up against every night. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Guys like Jarrett Jack. I, there was one game I watched him. He was just lights out and won in one of those mm-hmm. competitions against the, the Ignite. So Cole, I'm going to go ahead and openly say I'm ashamed of myself that I wasn't high on this player that I know that that you hit on from last year's draft and. I think that there is a little bit of reason why someone could be skeptical, but especially when you started hearing comparisons such as Jason Kidd, you know, things like that in in some draft circles, not saying you, but I I have heard that from a lot of people about one, about the player that you're going to name here in a second. So the guy that you hit on from this last year's draft was who, Cole? Uh, It's Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, Jason Kidd. Didn't think I ever heard that one in, in evaluating him, but... I've heard it several times. It's it blew I mean, my he's, mind. He's a few inches shorter, so I don't even think I could even get down that road to start. Right. <laughs> um, but so I'll I'll go all the way back to, to Pritchard's freshman year. He kind of caught my eye. Um, it was the same year as Lonzo Ball was in the Pac-12, so there was plenty of Pac-12 uh, basketball to watch that year. Uh, and as a freshman, he was you know he's he is a little undersized, and he wasn't as um, physically mature as he is now at this point, and as he was as a senior last year. Um, so he caught my eye because like I said to you guys on, on the first question, you asked me, he could shoot, he could handle, he could pass despite being undersized. Um, and I, I think I, the first game I watched, I heard he was a coach's son. So that always makes me pay attention a little bit more mm-hmm. as well. If there's bloodlines involved or if, you know, he's got a coaching pedigree, uh, family pedigree that is. Uh, and so he just caught my eye from being able to come up with some big plays as a freshman undersized, uh, pretty sturdy handle. Uh, very confident in himself, pretty good shooter. And I was like, oh, I'll pay attention to this guy. He's definitely not going anywhere as a freshman. Uh, you know, fast forward a couple years, all those things are improving. He's a much better shooter. Mm-hmm. I think what sort of really solidified Pritchard in my eyes was his junior postseason run, uh, both in the Pac-12 tournament and uh, the, and the March Madness tournament. He, he put Oregon on his back uh, over about seven games. He was averaging – uh, 17 a game and six and a half assists a game, which were well up from his numbers on his season numbers as a junior. Uh, he took his team to the Pac-12 championship and a deep tourney run. So all the things that I think I look for in an upperclassman guard are starting to like really come true about Pritchard. You have to have poise as your lead guard on the team. The team has to, you know, you have to command the team. He was doing that. He was, you know, he was willing the team to win really uh, as a junior. There was not a ton of talent around him by that point uh, versus freshman year. And his shooting had reached levels like he, he had such balls. He was ripping shots from deep that I, <laughs> yes. think he, that I didn't think he was really capable of making. And I was like, wow, okay, this this guy is – you have to sit up and pay, to pay attention to a guy who's confident in himself like that. And so you get to his senior year and he's you know he's all-American level, averaging 20 a game and, and really going off and the only thing keeping Oregon relevant. Um, so I thought what would translate was his handle. I thought he had a very good handle. I thought he was shifty. I thought he had very sharp dribble moves, albeit nothing too fancy. His crossover is super sharp, um, and he gets downhill in a hurry. So I thought combined with that 
and his footwork that he would be able to create enough space. Uh, he gets pretty good elevation on his jumper too. So I, I thought all those things were working in his favor uh, that he would be able to get his jumper off uh, both in the mid range and that he was a fine, he was definitely a good enough shooter from three, both off the dribble and from a standstill position. Uh, so I thought really the only knocks on Pritchard going into the draft were obviously his size. Uh, he's mm-hmm. six, two, six, two and a half, whatever it is. He's a little thicker, so he might not look so athletic, but he's kind of deceptive, deceptively athletic or ba- basketball athletic, if you will, for me. I always thought the athlete, uh, lack of athleticism knocks were a little overstated for him just because of the build. But yeah, I, I thought Pritchard was a consummate guy, kind of the guy where, you know, the parts outweighed the, or the, some of the parts outweighed each individual part a little bit. And I think so far we're kind of seeing that. And I think Boston is even starting to toy with putting him in as a starter, trying to kickstart their offense a little bit. Yeah. And he was one of these players too. Like I said, the comparisons probably made me not like him as much, especially, you know, I mentioned Jason Kidd earlier, but some of the things that worried me about him, we've seen in other college stars and that's what kind of, you know, how translatable is it? I mean, so Cole, I want to ask you this in particular. I got a two-parter here. One, you mentioned he's a senior that apparently is like a crimson marker against a player. You know, when they come into the draft, you know, being a senior, something must be wrong with him. That's why, you know, he's been in the college game so long and not tried to be a pro. And then also, how much does scenario play a big part in his success? You know, if he's drafted higher or a team that doesn't have a, you know, a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, how does that affect how successful he is so far early in his career, obviously? Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely helps that he gets to, to drive and kick to guys like Tatum and Brown and some of the other uh, players that are talented on Boston. Um, but as far as, as far as, um, you know, being able to, The the um, no, you're fine. So um, the the second part of this was, you know, being a senior. You know, whenever you're coming into the pros and you're not a you're not a one and done guy, or even a, a sophomore. We see sophomores get these looks, but juniors and seniors in particular, you rarely see them drafted highly because you know the the term potential is thrown around for these younger guys. And apparently, when you're 23 years old, you can't learn how to play basketball as easily at a high enough level. Right. So I, I think I think that needs to be kind of thrown out the wind. I think we've seen a lot more upperclassmen get drafted higher recently. Uh, and one thing, especially um, for point guards and lead guards, I think Nate and I both look for is kind of what kind of culture have you set in your time there as the lead guard? And uh, two guys we really like at Baylor this year have both really set a winning culture or been mm-hmm. a part of a winning culture. Uh, that's part of the reason we like them a lot. And I thought Pritchard you know, kind of did the same thing. And, and another guy that got drafted last year that I think will, will show up eventually is Cassius Winston. Another guy. In a yes! big <laughs> oh, I'm a big Winston guy. Another guy from a big time winning culture. Um, and so I think guys who play in winning cultures and are, are an obvious reason as to why their team is winning. Uh, you know, they really have to, you really have to take notice of what their ability is. And, you know, I, you just have to – I think you just have to pay attention because Pritchard is athletic for his size. He does have NBA-level quickness. And, yeah, I mean – but winning is a big part of it. And and Pritchard's example, he leads uh, Oregon in, in career wins. And so that was a big thing that stood out to me. He Both, like I said, in his junior year, he was really the driving engine on that team in tournament play when they really did not have anything. And then, again, senior year, he, he carried that team. And I think when you're carrying a team to that level – 
you've got to be doing something right regardless of what year you're in. And so it's not like, and he wasn't an old senior for his class. He was right on time. Right. Didn't he rip off like four championships in a row going back to high school too? Isn't that <laughs> like, crazy like that? Yeah, the kid's pretty, pretty, pretty decorated player dating yeah. back to his high school years. Yeah, just winning at every level. Austin, do you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I kind of like to take add a little more value to a lot of those guys that are you know seniors or older especially guards like you guys talked about I've always kind of felt like you can't really you may not always get you know a diamond in the rough with those guys but you at least know you've got a guy that knows how to play knows how to win big games you know like you were saying and you know outside of maybe the top seven or eight picks like how many guys are really going to become superstars so I just think guys like that or almost kind of, you know, like a can't miss kind of thing. Like you may not get that star, but you're going to get a solid, you know, rotation player for sure. Yeah, that's fair. And and Cole, one more question I have for you while I'm on this Peyton Pritchard thing, because I really want to learn from my mistake in this draft because I was not high on him at all. And a guy that I think had a little bit of the, you know, he handled, he passed and he shot really well, but he could not do anything in the pros was Jimmer for that. So kind of like, what separates a Jim for that situation from a, Pey- a, a Peyton Pritchard? So I think it, it really just comes down to, I think Pritchard's a little bit bigger. I could be wrong there, um, but he's just quicker with the ball in his hands. Uh, mm-hmm. Pritchard is a, just a lot quicker with the ball in his hands and he's got a little bit more junk um, from his first step. You know, you can stunt, he's got better ball stunts and then he can get, he gets, he's just got a very quick crossover and he's not afraid to bust it out. And he's very, he's very, easily able to change direction while um, executing that crossover. And then he'll go right into a spin move. So he's got a couple of different ways where he's able to quickly escape danger. And I don't think Jimmer ever really had that. He was so reliant on screens and just trying to pull up from, from serious range. Fair enough. Fair enough. And yeah, now that you're saying that, that makes a lot of sense. I got to change how I look at these guys because I'm afraid of saying a guy is going to be good and then he ends up being a Jimmer for debt, but you know. Okay, can I defend you for a second on Pritchard though? No, please do, so, Nate. I, it would make me feel better. So 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 Pritchard's a guy that I I didn't have him as a first rounder either. I didn't either. But I had no. I had him as a priority second round guy and I had him as a priority guy because the skill base was there for him to come in. He had all the tools of what you would want out of a point guard as Cole laid out, dribble, pass, and shoot. He could do all of that at a high level. But what held me back, besides the the everything you would not want your point guard in terms of like an undersized guy, like all, all of the usual gripes we have with undersized point guards, besides that stuff, because you kind of got to throw that to the wayside if you wait, depending on where you're taking him. But mm-hmm. I thought he was really overconfident at times at Oregon. Like he, For as many games that he would shoot his team into it, he would also tend to shoot his team – out of those games. So it, it, feel free to disagree with me, Cole. That was just something that I saw from the film. But that would have been an area line. where if we would have had some of that being able to talk to him off the court and get to know kind of the person who he is, his leadership style, and being able to come into the NBA, take a back seat to whatever they want to do, and then come and just operate the point guard position the right way, not worrying about how many shots I'm getting up, just things like that. I think that information would have absolutely boosted his draft stock at least on my personal board, because, yeah, if he would come into the Boston Celtics and all of a sudden just start jacking up 30-footers like nobody's business under Brad Stevens' nose, like Brad Stevens is going to bench him. But yeah. coming into a culture like that, you mentioned where these guys land. He knows that playing under a coach like him and, and for a respected executive like Danny Ainge, he's going to have to come in and play the game the right way. And luckily, being 
a coach's son having those bloodlines. He does know how to play the game the right way. He doesn't have to be the Superman like he had to at Oregon at times. So it's just picking up on little things like that could have probably swayed you, Steven, just like it could have swayed me. Yep, and we we take those lumps and we learn, and that's how we get better, right? So so there we go. All right, so Austin, fellas, we we touched on the guys that that we hit on this last draft, and again, like I'm going to say the term "miss" very loosely, right? Because their one their first rookie year isn't even finished yet, right? But maybe we had higher expectations on these guys and the output that they're giving us currently. Cole, I want to start with you again. Precious Achua was a guy that you said that that you missed on. Now, this one was interesting to me because he kind of came on the scene a little hot, you know, for Miami. He was a guy that everyone was like, oh, look at this, you know, another Bam Adebayo on their team. Why do you feel like you've missed according to what expectations you had on him so far? Yeah, so it's it's a, more about a couple of things that I think are trending up for Precious at this point that I missed on. Uh, and I think that has to do with decision making and touch. Um, and I think he will be able to extend out, uh, extend, extend his jumper out eventually. It might take a, li- a bit longer than people might have thought after his uh, explosion early in the season. Um, but with Precious, when I got eyes on him in Memphis, it was, like I said, I, I thought his, his feel for the game uh, as a ball handler or as a decision maker um, on the perimeter was a little undercooked. I didn't really mm-hmm. see it if he was going to be a small ball five or an undersized uh, forward without a jump shot um, to be, you know, setting picks and then also being able to maybe pass out of that. I didn't really see that a ton out of Memphis at him. Um, so that's where I kind of landed. I obviously saw the motor. Uh, it's hard to miss that. Yeah. He has <laughs> an impressive physique. Those were obviously things I didn't miss on. Um, so I just thought some of the finer points of his game weren't going to trend up. And I, I think I got a, a, I think he heard me. And when he came to Philadelphia and he got, to show off against Embiid on the glass and then show a couple of things, you know, with the ball in his hands on the perimeter, driving from the mm-hmm. corner and fading away on a couple of jump shots. I think he was like, here you go, Cole. I, I show, I'll show you. I can do all these things. It's just not going to happen right away. Yeah. Um, so he has kind of fallen out of the rotation, like you said, with Miami lately. Uh, I think that's more about Miami this year, trying to shore things up as they get, you know, trying to right the ship for the playoff run here. Uh, and he's just not ready to contribute consistently offensively. Um, but on defense, man, he's a monster, uh, and, and just on the glass in general, he's got a 4% block rate already, which is in the <laughs> that's, percentile. That's nuts. Yes. 13 minutes a game or something, you know, minimal like that. Uh, and he's, you know, very high up on in both percentiles on offensive and rebounding glass. So, you know, the anchors of his profile are definitely going to keep him in the league for a long time. And he's, and it's going to keep him on, on the floor for a long time to help him learn all those things. He's going to, you know, that will make him an effective offensive player in time. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does morph into at this point. So, yeah, it was more about the the couple of finer, finer skill things that I didn't think would wouldn't pan out for him. Yeah, and I was kind of along those same lines too. His defense didn't really scream like NBA big man. You know what I mean? Like that was where I was at with him. And then, like you mentioned too, his decision making. I was look. I'm looking at my profile on him right now. I have vision and defense were kind of my question marks for him coming into the league, and you know. Miami develops the heck out of players. So, you know, it, it's kind of best case scenario for him, in my opinion, you know, where he was drafted was very well suited. I had him as a as a high second on, on my big board. So I'm very interested, you know, to see now Nate, who you have. This is a guy that you missed on. I missed on him, too. I was not high on this kid at all, like at all. And a lot of people were. And he shot up the draft boards 
kind of coming into the draft. So, Nate, who do you got for your biggest miss from last year's draft? Yeah, the classic riser as soon as everyone actually gets him off the court, gets to talk to him, and then gets him <laughs> in for workouts. All of a sudden, he just shoots up draft boards. Patrick Williams mm-hmm. out of Florida State. So he didn't have a big starring role at Florida State, came off the bench, wasn't exactly able to showcase everything he could do. And we get those guys every year. Like we were just talking about Bam out of bio, another mm-hmm. great example of that. Didn't get to showcase everything he could do at Kentucky. Now he's an all-star pretty much doing everything you would want an NBA basketball player to do. Um, and Patrick Williams is showcasing a lot of those same tools. So I actually, I had him in the twenties. Okay. On my final board. I think I had him around like 22, 23, somewhere like that. I never had him higher than like 11 or 12. I don't think so. I never had him in like a top 10 range. But he shot all the way up to fourth. Why? Because teams got to interview him, especially Chicago. They got him in for, for some workouts towards when everything was tailing off with COVID, when NBA teams were actually allowed to do some of that. And they were able to work him out more as a three instead of a four. Mm-hmm. My whole thing with Patrick Williams was if you're drafting him, I think you're expecting him to come in and be more of a three, four, like more of a wing oriented perimeter player than as a four man. Because if you're expecting him to be a four man, I don't think he's quite worth that kind of a value, like a top 10 value. But in spurts or in small stretches at Florida State, he showcased the one-two dribble pull-up. He was able to the soft, soft, feathery mid-range jump shot. He was able to knock down an open three when he was given enough time because of his release. And obviously the biggest thing that he did at Florida State that always caught my eye was that he was an excellent cutter off the ball. Stephen, mm-hmm. you love talking about what guys can do off the ball. He was probably the best cutter coming into the draft. So I knew at the very least I probably should have valued his defensive versatility more being able to potentially guard two through four. And then that cutting skill that he has, these are simple things he can do coming in from day one to further expand his game. And now you look at him, I mean, he's gained a lot more confidence playing in Chicago now. His slash line, 46% from the field, almost 40% from three, 77% from the free throw line, shooting over 44% on corner threes. That's, yeah, that's, that's insane. Ridiculous. <laughs> and in 28 minutes a game, he's getting like a full roll now for Chicago. And that fourth overall pick, potentially taking a gamble on somebody like him, it's paying off in, in, in big ways. So I guess – I didn't see him as like a, a perimeter wing-oriented player right out of the gate coming in, but he's proven that we were wrong about that. And again, if I would have been able to be there for some workouts in the pre-draft process, being able to talk to some people, maybe he would have shot up my draft board last second too, like he did a lot of other people's. But, you know, the, these things happen. These hidden gems come from out of nowhere and, and, and they surprise us. And you, you take your lumps, you take your hits and your misses. But I, I will say I, I hit on a lot more than I miss but when I miss, it's usually egregious. Like Pat Williams should not have been in the twenties. So I had him lower. I had him as, it, I'm at him as a high second. Yeah. So just according to me, but yeah, that was an egregious one too. So Austin, what do you think, man? We got precious Achua and Patrick Williams as the biggest misses for these guys. Do you have anybody that you kind of want to divulge or do you want to go um, in a little bit more on their guys? Actually, precious is one that I actually watched quite a bit of in college and felt like, he had the physical like look of an NBA lottery pick for sure. You know, he had the athleticism. He had the, like you said, the physique, but I just didn't see a whole lot of like real standout skills that he had that he just seemed like a, a big time project to me in a lot of ways. But, you know, like you said, Steven, Miami's probably the best place 
for a yeah. guy like that to end up. And then Patrick Williams, I didn't really know a whole lot about. I was actually, when I watched the draft, um, I was actually fairly uh, upset that they didn't take Obi Toppin right there because I'm, I'm in Indiana. So I've, I've followed the Bulls a little bit my whole life and my dad's a big fan of them. So, um, so I just didn't know a whole lot about him, but he's, he's been a heck of a lot better than what I expected for sure. Yeah, he's one of the younger guys too that came into the draft. So I that's mean, that's the other thing. He has age on his side, so he can just right. only keep getting better. Yeah, and sure. and NBA players love getting like these, you know, barely legal basketball players on their team to where they can, you know, try to develop them and keep them going for for years and years to come. So, all right, fellas, we talked about guys that that we've hit on, who we've missed on. Now the question that everybody is waiting for is who's next? Out of all these guys, we're in the midst of March Madness right now. Um, NIT kind of <laughs> playing the, the, the second fiddle as it normally does. Um, we got international guys coming in too. So who are some of these guys that you are, that you're looking at to come in and make a big difference next? I'll start. I mean, I'll, I'll go with one of my favorite prospects in this draft class. Not saying that I have him among like the top five of a lot of the big names you might hear, but Jared Butler, out of Baylor is a guy who he is a basketball guy's guy. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when you watch him, he just plays the game the right way in so many different aspects. You talk about on ball scoring. He's improved his handle. He's a crafty guard inside. He's a three level scorer. really improved his playmaking. NBA teams wanted him to go back to college and improve his playmaking on the ball, be a better decision maker, play out of pick and roll. He's certainly done that this year. I mean, he's, He's in the 87th percentile according to synergy and pick and rolls, including passes. So he's clearly improved in that area. And then everything he does off the ball, he's one of the best relocators in this draft class in terms of reestablishing himself from three and then getting an open look. Like one of the plays that that I highlighted in the draft profile we have up right now on draftdeeper.com, if anybody wants to go read it, it was one of my test profiles I put up there. But I – picked a clip specifically where he set a screen then relocated off that screen for an open three at the top of the court. And that, that, that to me, that's just beautiful basketball. That's doing something that can help somebody else get open. But when that look isn't there, you're able to get the ball back and then make something happen with it. So just, just a very smart player. And then obviously competitive defensively, all those perimeter guys at Baylor are tough as nails on the defensive end. So you're, you're not going to lose anything there either. One of the best steals guys in the country. So he's just a complete guard and, and probably to wrap up my evaluation on him. I'm not saying he's the same player as Donovan Mitchell because they're, they're different athletically, but okay. Donovan Mitchell was coming out of Louisville. I just, I said to myself, this guy has like all the tools. Like how does this guy fail? And <laughs> right. in that way, I just feel the same way as Jared Butler. Like I just, I don't see how Butler fails in the NBA. So that's why that, uh, and hey, if I had like a top 10 pick potentially in this draft, like I'm not even kidding. I'm looking at him anymore. So if, if I if I need a if I need a leader and a floor general. Yeah, I, I actually had him. I thought he was going to come out last year. I had him as a, you know, kind of a mid second rounder last season out of his time in Butler. And I'm surprised that he came back and uh, glad that he did, because now he's skyrocketing up a lot of people's boards and the way you evaluated him. Nate, I mean, it's you can't watch him and deny anything that you just said about the guy. All right, Cole. So who do you have as your guy to kind of keep an eye on as we go forward for this upcoming draft? Yeah. So I'm going to list some qualities here and you, and you guys can nod your heads. Yes. If you think you want this prospect on your team, or <laughs> okay. at least want to take a, a, a harder look at him. So, and we'll say yes for the people who are listening, you know, for the <laughs> yeah, viewers exactly. will nod, we'll say yes for the listeners, but yeah, exactly. let's, let's hit it. Okay. So above average size for the league guard spot. Uh, yes. Above average to Absolutely. plus handle. <laughs> yes. Above average to plus handle. 
Yes. Possibility to create off the dribble for himself. Yes. yes. Well, shooter in general. Yes. Yeah. Has an improving in-between game with a floater, pull-up, step-back, J Arsenal. Yes. And has pretty good touch around the rim and is a very creative finisher. Yes, yeah. to all of these things, yes. Right, so that's Trey Mann to me right now. <laughs> okay. Um, on Florida. Okay. And I nice. think I think this is kind of what it looks like when it arrives. His last seven games have been extremely impressive. Um, he's averaging 20 a game on see if I can find the numbers here. 20 a game on 5.8 rebounds, three assists a game. Now the three assists might be a little lacking to some of you out there, uh, but watch the film. Yeah. Watch the film. Florida is not really uh, loaded with talented finishers and he's making some pretty high level passes to these guys that they're just not converting easy looks on. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that number should really be a lot better. And to just illustrate that how much he has gotten better as a playmaker for others, his assist rate as a freshman was 7% jumped to 22% this year. That's a hell of a mm. jump for a guy. Um, so I think the light is really starting to turn on for Trey Mann here. Um, I, there are, of course, some knocks. He's not, you know, he's not extremely explosive at 6'5", but he is very, very smooth. I think his body has still got a chance to unlock some some explosive and even put on some better weight. Uh, I, I was doing some reading. It turns out he put on like 15 pounds going into this season, so his body's already uh, begun to improve in that regard. Uh, he is the same age as a lot of the top freshmen this year. He's still he's 20, and he's on track to stay 20 this year, like Cade and, and Jalen Johnson and a couple of the other guys. Okay. Um, so I can't really knock him for age. Uh, the light just seems to be turning on for him at this at this juncture and at, at six five and that that that, that skill set. I think you know I think people need to start taking a seriously long look at Trey Man uh, towards the, the late lottery, if not even higher. Right. That's all. That's fair. Um, I, I like everything that you said about him. And I love that you, you know, enthralled us with the whole, like, I'm going to give you guys a questionnaire. And if you like these things, let me know. So, <laughs> I mean, answering all those things, yes, obviously makes it very easy for Trey Mann to be yes looked at no, as a... Yes or no questions are easy for me. I like that. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to <laughs> no, throw in a maybe every once in a while. <laughs> right. Seriously, Trey Mann is somebody that I've actually watched quite a bit of. Um, I've, I've been pretty high on him. I just felt like kind of echoing what you said. He... You know, just watching him, you can he just oozes potential, and you can see in moments where he just can could just take over. Yeah. But he's really put it together, like, you know, throughout the SEC tournament and now in the, the NCAA tournament as well. So uh, he's somebody that I had my eye on already too. So it's I'm glad you glad you picked him. Absolutely. Well, guys, um, we're kind of coming up against it now for the radio segment. Got a couple more questions. If you guys are game, not very long, we won't keep you. But, you know, once we close out for the radio segment here, um, love to ask you guys a couple more if you guys are up for it. Absolutely. Bo- bonus podcast. There you yeah. Go. Bonus yes. podcast content. Yeah. Yep. All right. So for everyone who's been listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio tonight, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we're on every Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And you can catch great shows much like this one, um, you know, twice a week. And we thank you guys so much for your support. Speaking of thank you for support, shout out to Manscaped. Just want to remind everybody, get 20% off plus free shipping with code BTG at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code BTG. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, excuse me there, um, with Manscaped. So um, for our awesome guests today, Nate and Cole, thank you guys so much for coming on. Don't be a stranger. We got to have you guys back on again. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you guys. All right. And Austin, as always, thank you so much for everything that you do. Of course. But 
we're going to close out here. So on behalf of us here at Breaking the Game for Off the Ball Network, where you can go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. Shout out to them. Shout out to Nothing But Net and Dash Radio. It's been fun talking with you guys. We'll catch up with you all later. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. See you. All right, so that's a long enough pause for us to be able to edit and continue on with the podcast. So that was fun. That was really fun. I'm sorry that we kind of came up against it there at the end of it. But um, so, Nate, what's your evaluation of Trey Mann? Are you kind of on the side of Cole here with him, or do you not see him in that same light? So it's really funny. Cole texted me a few days ago, and he was like, I'm seeing Trey Mann being talked about as like this potential lottery prospect. Like, do you think that's crazy? And I'm like, do I think that's crazy? So I whipped out the old hoops (laughs) habit fan sided draft profile that I wrote on Trey Mann, like when he was coming into his frosh year at Florida. And I basically compared his quick trigger three point shooting and his tendency to take that deep shot to like a Trey Young. And I'm like, everybody needs to pay attention to this guy. Like he could put up some big numbers in Florida. So it was all about getting me back on the Trey Man bandwagon. It's like, but bro, I was I was already there, man. I was already there. <laughs> there you go. All right, so Cole, what do you feel about Nate's guy Butler? Are you are you a, a big Butler guy as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think very early in the season, Nate and I, we both caught Baylor a couple times in a row, and we just were like, dude, Butler just knows the game so well in and out. And you know, a lot of what I said about Pritchard just being able to win that team, will his team to win, is so true for Butler and, and Davion Mitchell too, his backward partner there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, Butler is a, is a terrific prospect. It kind of shocks me when we see these mocks come out, and he's still nowhere to be found sometimes. Yeah, that's nuts. It's nuts. I like him a lot too. Now, Austin – Dare I dare I kind of put you on the spot with these guys with a player that I know that you're super high on coming into the draft that I don't you think is say I'm super high. I just think you're he's super be an high NBA on him. I'm not that super high on him. You oh, think I think he's gonna you're be like the number one super pick? High. No, I've no, no, always no, no, been no. high on him. You think he's a first round pick though, right? I do definitely think he's a first round pick. Or maybe I'm crazy. Going uh, off the board a little bit. Okay, you guys go ahead and tell me what you think about about this guy. It's a uh, Luca Garza from Iowa. I understand the knocks against him for sure, but I just want to hear what you guys think about him. <sighs> <laughs> Soft to a good start. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, if I'm an NBA team, I don't know if I'm drafting him only because I think if I really want to bring him into my team, he's probably going to be somebody that's going to get a, some kind of undrafted deal thrown at him pr- pretty quick. Um, okay. Like I, I just don't know if I would use a draft pick on him, given that I don't think there's a lot of upside there to really unlock. I don't think he's that special of an athlete at the center position. Like he's definitely more of a plotter, and mm-hmm. I just think that he he's a guy that you're going to use in special circumstances. Like you're probably talking about like eight, ten minutes a night, probably. Like that that's the role that I would envision for him. So I I, I get what he's done at Iowa. I appreciate him as a basketball player. I think he's been. One hell of a college player. He's been important for that Iowa program, certainly. But I, I just, I don't know if I personally would, would draft him. But I understand if somebody would because of the, the the developing shooting stroke that he's been able to showcase his last two years right. in Iowa. You're seeing him as a stretch big, somebody who can knock down shots and give you a little bit of physicality inside. So I see it, but I, he's not my guy. Okay, very fair enough. Fair enough. Cole, what about you, man? Do you do you think that he's a little bit higher, or do you kind of share the same sentiment as Nate? I, I'm pretty much where Nate is. Um, like he said there at the end, I can I can understand drafting him um, with the developing jumper and the range that he's showing, and also 
there is something to look in the 55 to 60 range. Everybody's kind of throwing darts at that point. Uh, in most drafts, there is something to be said for bringing in a practice body that can bang with your, your other bigs and keep things interesting at practice. Um, so he does have that working for him. Uh, to pull a little bit of a used car salesman on you, can I interest you in Alperin Shungun? Like, that's the guy. I was like, just about to ask about him. You like back to the basket, you know, a little bit more of a throwback type of style big. Like, I think that's the guy you should really hang your hat on and want to pay attention to in this draft. Okay. I was just about to ask about him. I was scrolling through my boards to ask you about kind of a, a low key guy that I haven't really heard about a lot of other places. And Sangun was going to be that guy. I think that he's got crazy amount of NBA potential, but. I think so. Would you? So you wouldn't draft him either, because I think Luca could be a second round guy, and I think you know the second round, second round picks are becoming more and more valuable in the league now, right? With their drafts because of the financial flexibility that you get with them, understand the perks of getting like a two way contract and things like that. But I don't know. I I I would look at a, a second round pick on Luca just because of the success that he has and. Maybe he kind of works out and develops a little bit, but I don't know. I've seen differing opinions on Lucas, so I wanted to get y'all's opinion. He's going to play well. in the NBA to make Austin feel better. He will. He will play in the NBA like that. That's that's not up for fair debate, enough. So. I'll take it. No, it's, <laughs> it's not crazy, honestly. I mean, yeah. look, he'll probably he'll, he'll probably get a shot as a as an eight to twelve minute guy and come in and just mm-hmm. see if he can get buckets, drop buckets real quick, run the floor, and be you know a hard ass on the blocks. Right there, you okay. go. And another guy I want to ask you guys about that I'm kind of kind of kicking around where I have him in, in the rankings is a Santi Aldama out of Loy. How do you say it? Loyola. Loyola. Thank you. Um, yeah, Santi. Um, what do you guys feel about him? How do you do you like his kind of kind of stretch big feel that that I get from him, or do you guys get that kind of vibe from him at all? Gonna have to defer to Nate on this one. I haven't caught a ton of him. Okay. I'm, see, I'm seeing his name come up in the 40s all, okay. all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, as like a second round target. I sh- I should know more about. Not that I haven't seen him. But I should know more about him because he's a Patriot League guy. And Cole and I being in the Northeast, that's like we're we're in Patriot League territory. You're I got Lehigh minutes from my house, <laughs> so like I I should know more about him. But from what I've seen, I think he he's definitely someone I can envision using a second round pick on. I think mm-hmm. he's got a good feel for the game. Some of those passes, you've probably just seen the highlights of his passing, like his little whippy around the back pass, similar to what you would see from Sengun that really started catching everybody's eye. And then he, he's he's shown a little bit of an ability to stretch the floor as well. So I just I don't know how much his athletic package translates to the NBA. Yeah. I don't know if he's a good enough NBA athlete, but in terms of his base of skill – and when he's able to come in and do potentially from day one, he definitely deserves getting a shot. Like, I, I think he's a little bit more intriguing to look at to draft than, than Luca Garza because Garza is an older player. I think that, while I don't think Santi's like this crazy athlete like I alluded to, I think he's a better athlete than Garza. So uh, uh, Garza obviously has size that Santi doesn't have, but at the same time, I'd be more willing to work with that skill set and use a second-round draft pick on somebody like him than somebody like Luca. that makes sense. Yeah, well, I like Aldama a lot, and I don't want to like make you guys feel bad or anything. But I have synergy, and I watched. You know, that's where I get my game film and stuff. So, I'm sure, you guys have heard of it. You know, so I don't. I don't want to shame anybody here on the podcast for not having a synergy subscription like me. But um, I've watched them, and I like his game a lot. He kind of gives me a little bit of like a almost kind of like 
a Davies Bertans feel a little bit with his shot selection and how he could be, but he's also like a, a pretty solid rebounder. I don't know how well that'll translate at his position. He's 6'11, 215, so kind of, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. And maybe the league that you said that he was in, Nate, that Patriot League, has a little bit to do with that rebounding opportunities for him. But, but rebounding translates. Rebounding is generally a skill that translates. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, it worked for Paul Millsap for a while coming out of Louisiana Tech, right? So, yes, sir. That's where I'm at with that. So now I feel better about Santi Aldama because I have I'm kind of flirting with taking him a little bit higher than what the 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 average bear is. He's kind of one of my he's kind of my gym in this draft right now. So we'll he could rise do. too. Don't don't feel bad about it, man. He could rise. Yeah, I'm I'm high on him. If you if he's successful, you guys, you know, y'all can have me on your show, and I'll be able to sound like a little bit of an expert there. But Austin, yeah. do you have any more questions for the for the fellas tonight? Actually, yeah, I, I kind of want to get a feel for who you who do you guys think is it should be you know the top pick in this upcoming draft. Have you gotten that far Ooh, yet? Or, there we go. Or who do you, or who that's do you like that's the most? a softball question, man. Why did I not ask that on the show? It's not a softball question because I will let Cole answer this one first since his answer might be the same as mine, but he's made a case for somebody else to be the number one pick other than Kate. And I I love that, Cole. I love that, Cole. Yeah. Steven and I were talking briefly about it right before you you hopped in there, Austin. But um, Mm -hmm. look, Cade Cade is supremely talented. He's got everything you could ask for out of a number one pick. Um, I think – he has, I think he's been aided by playing in college and being in the limelight all year versus the guy I'm about to mention here. But I think Jalen Green, who played in the G League this year, uh, is definitely worthy of the top pick as well. I, I think he can do just about everything on the basketball court that Cade can do as well. He just happens to be in a shooting guard package versus a jumbo forward playmaking package. Um, but like if you harken back to Kobe Bryant, when he would defend himself sometimes, he was like, you know, 30 a game, eight rebounds a game, six, seven assists a game from the shooting <laughs> guard spot, man. Like, he would always say that about himself, like, from the shooting guard spot. Of course I did it all. Like, and I think Jalen Green has that, like, in him. I think, you know, he might not average the totals Kobe's going, to, you know, Kobe did and never never will. But mm-hmm. I think he has the ability to score at a supreme, supremely high level uh, for a long time in this league. And I think because of that, he's going to – He's going to be, you know, an, an easy five assists a game guy because he's a willing disher. He's a smart disher, uh, and he is a high level disher too when he wants to be. So, uh, and then he'll sit down on defense and dog somebody, and then yeah, turn, you know, ruin five plays in a row for the opposing <laughs> offense. Uh, and so I think I think people just need to. I I think there's a little bit of bias for Kate, honestly, and I've said this to Nate off the air. I think he's got the good boy bias, and Jalen doesn't. And I don't think there's a ton of difference in what they're able to accomplish on the floor at this level. And I think I think Jalen's got him in, in scoring uh, pretty clearly. And so I think yeah. that gets him the edge at the end of the day for me. Nice. He's actually uh, who I have as my top overall prospect as oh, well. Oh, nice. Wow. So, Good job, Austin. <laughs> right. See, I have been paying more attention this year, Stephen. Um, I, I just knock you. I was just saying I know, good job I know. for you. I know, but uh, no, for real. I I'm just a terrible I, I human like being, ladies and gentlemen. Everything you said, Cole, I, I love about him. His defense is something that stood out to me a lot in the in the G League, and you know what you said about those guys. I think Nate said it about those guys. You know, 
playing for a paycheck and, and really giving it their all every night. You could see that from him as well. And everything yeah. I've ever heard about the guy or read about him is just that he absolutely loves basketball. Like he, you never see him with, with, you know, without a basketball in his hands, basically. It's just what he did growing up. And I've heard the Kobe, the Kobe comparisons before as well, too. And, and I do, I, I do see some resemblance there for sure. I mean, that's lofty expectations, but I, I, just, I don't, I don't see if there's anything that he can't do. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that you. That was Green's comparison, though, coming out of high school. Everyone was like, yeah. coming in the next Kobe." So, like, right. it's not, it's not that crazy. No, it's right. not. He's just got, he's got a rare air of grit and tenacity about him, and, mm-hmm. and you see it on the court. He, he, he looks to eviscerate his opponents. He really does. And I like that, Cole. I want to ask you too if you could kind of grade the two on athleticism alone. Like, where, where does, like, where does the scale tilt towards? Towards the better athlete. Yeah, that, yeah. 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 Cade's like got basketball movements that a lot of guys don't have, which makes him he's, why he's special as well. But Jalen's Cade's got that. Athlete. Cade's got that old man game that you see. That's my favorite thing to say. Cade's you know, got grandpa just, game. Just smooth. The game moves like around him. Up. It right. looks like he's not even really going that, trying that hard or going that fast, and he just goes right by people. And yeah, it's, definitely, it's awesome to see. Right on, right on. So, so Nate, now, now you're on the clock. You know who are you drafting with the number one pick? I, I will stick with Cade. Okay. And the reason why I'm going to stick with Cade is because my biggest question for him coming into this year was, could he create and hit big shots? Right? Could he be that number one option down the stretch? Otherwise, why are you taking him with the number one pick? He put Oklahoma State on his back. Mm-hmm. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times. We're talking about someone who did it like five to six times at least this season down the stretch where, yeah, he might have started slow in some first halves, but then he really picked it up in, in second halves of games and even overtimes and just hit big step-back shot after big step-back shot. So it wasn't just the passing and his ability to orchestrate the offense from the point guard spot. It was his ability to kind of lead into that six, eight shot creator size and actually hit those jump shots when they were most needed. So I, I think that that's what I needed to see from him to, to prove that he was the number one pick. And that's, that's what he gave me. That's, that's why I'm going to stick with him. Number one. Although I will say that even apart from him or Jalen green, I think Jalen Suggs was really pushed down from the potential yeah. number one conversation, and it's a shame because I really love that kid. I and love him, it, too. If I had a top five pick as a general manager and I had the chance to bring him in for an interview and talk to him and get to know him, just knowing that he was a special athlete in high school, quarterback, yep. obviously has that that passing game and then that point guard mentality, just knowing the kind of athlete he is, that competitor on defense. And when, I, I forget which game it was. I forget who they were playing when he went down with that injury and everybody mm. thought that like his season was potentially over. And yeah, then the man scary. comes out in the damn second half and he just <laughs> continues to just ball out. Like when, when he was crying tears that, you know, some of it was obvious because he was upset he might not be playing, but you know that he was experiencing some real pain and he sucked it up. And he came out to win that game for Gonzaga and help them win. Like that's special stuff, man. There are not a lot of guys that are that are fighting through something like that. So like I that that to me was like, holy cow, like why is this guy not being talked about as a potential number one pick? So he's probably not going to be, but I, I love Jalen Suggs, man. I, w- I would love to be able to draft somebody like him. He's a special person on the court, off the court. That's that's what I look for in a draft pick. And that's where I'm at with him too. Like I was telling people earlier in the season, he has since kind of gone down like maybe a peg 
like to me as the season has progressed, especially with the the infusion of the Ignite players, right? Like prior to the Ignite, I was like, I might even take Suggs over Cade. And it's not that I'm like, I'm anti-Cade. He's a phenomenal player. And I know in today's, you know, age of social media, right? If you if you take anything away from a guy, you're automatically a hater, right? Like that's not where any of us in this in this chat live right now. But I like Suggs a lot too, specifically for what you were saying, Nate. You know, his his leadership, the intangibles that he has, the fact that he plays like really hard on the defensive end on a team that is full of NBA players right now. I mean, several of the guys that he's playing alongside are going to translate to that next level. And that's where I think it's interesting in evaluating him. We talked about this prior to the start of the show is does that make him look better that he's playing with these pros or does, and and there's maybe a layer that we've yet to see when he's going to have less help on that next level, or does that translate well enough to where you say, we know baseline, this is where what he's going to look like at that next level. In can, the can, can I say that I don't think that team would be undefeated right now if they didn't have him? Hands really down, without a doubt. They, they might be really good, but they wouldn't be undefeated because their early season slate was – I think it was the hardest schedule anybody had in the really, first really like, three, four weeks of the season. Like They played Kansas. That was the, that was the first game off the bat, I think, if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Then they played Iowa shortly after. Like They played some – big time teams and they won all of those games handily. And you could just tell from the first possession of his first game, the way he came out defensively, it was just going to just hound you, hound you, hound you for 40 minutes straight like that, that to me, that that speaks volumes. And Oh, by the way, his, his biggest inconsistency would be his outside shooting. He was, he's starting to knock down like <laughs> Stephen Dame range three corners. Yeah. Whether it's off the catcher, he's even creating some of those shots for himself. So like, I, I don't know what he can't do on the court at this point. So, You know, I think it, there's something to be said about, you know, obviously his numbers aren't going to be where they possibly could be because of how, how much talent he does have on, on, on the roster with him as teammates. But at the same time, he's a, he's a freshman that came into a team that has a bunch of high-level NBA prospects and took over. And yeah, he's the right. leader of that team. Right. And so I think that, that says more about him to me than, than anything about, you know, he, his numbers may not be quite as good as what somebody else's are, but that's solely out of need, you know? Yeah. And I think you got to look at trans- Ayi, If you don't have Joel Ayayi as a first rounder, you're missing out. Oh, if, of if course. You, you're not in love with that kid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you're not. He does everything. Like when Suggs is out of the game, he takes over more playmaking responsibilities. He's a heck of a defender. He shoots, he rebounds. He's just... I, I love him so much, Nate. I, I see you comment on him all the time, and I'm I'm on that team with you, man. He's he's going to go to somebody like the Lakers, and everyone's going to be kicking themselves how he fell to to a great team, and that he's able to come in and contribute for a championship level team right away. Well, okay, you probably could have had him. <laughs> I would love to see him go to a team like a like Utah, right? Like Utah's got a great record oh, this perfect. season. He would be great for Utah because what they're missing is exactly what he is—kind of like a do it all you know, perimeter defender, score, playmaker. Like he literally does everything. I think that he would be a, a hand in glove fit in Utah. Absolutely. Right on. But um Austin, do you have anything else for the guys? No, I'm I don't have anything else. All right. So uh typically what we like to do is when we close the show, Nate and Cole kind of let the people know where they can follow you, some of the things that you kind of have in the works for either yourselves individually together for the platform what have you. And we just want to thank you guys so much for giving us an extended cut here on the, on the podcast. 
and uh, letting us pick your brain a little bit. And sincerely, it's not just lip service. You guys have been some real ones. Y'all are true gems, and we've loved having you on the show tonight. We, we appreciate the opportunity, Stephen. We, we thank you for letting us share what we're doing, what we're working on. You can follow us on Twitter at Draft Deeper. That's where we're most active. We have a Facebook page as well. Um, our podcast is everywhere. It's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. All you got to do is go to draftdeeper.com slash podcast, and we got it all right there for you. Um, the website is up. It's definitely going to be expanding. We had two test profiles go up on Jalen Johnson as well as Jared Butler. So get a read on those. Any feedback is absolutely welcome. And once the tournament ends, we're going to really start cranking out those profiles, those full profiles on my goal is all 60 guys because I came into this. I wanted to not do just like a short little three-line profile on somebody that was a second-round pick. If I'm writing about you, you're going to get as much treatment as a guy who could be a top-five pick. So I love that. That's, I love that's that. the kind of content awesome. we're going to be cranking out of Draft Deeper. And follow the podcast. We've been on fire with some guests lately. We had Coach David Thorpe on from True Hoop. We had Rafael Barlow on from yep. Draft Junkies last that's week. Cool. And we're hoping to have everyone's favorite Mavs draft on this upcoming week. Oh, so there you go. We're, we're trying. So subscribe to the show. Thank you guys for the support, everyone, especially you guys. You guys for wanting to have us on and talk to us. It means a lot. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks again, Stephen and Arkham. Uh, it's been great putting faces to you guys' names and uh, chatting basketball, all four of us. has been a, a, a lovely time, and I hope we get to do it again in the future. As Nate said, you can find us at Draft Deeper and give these guys a follow as well. Uh, everybody's doing good work here, and we hope to keep doing it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. And if for no other reason to follow these guys, Cole, I'm not trying to like put you on the spot or anything like that. Cole, you kind of have like a Keanu Reeves vibe about you. I'm sure <laughs> that you've heard that. I'm sure you've heard that before, but I can't. Really? Like, Austin, please funny. tell me you, you have, see it. You kind of. Oh, yeah, it. I see it. You have For a sure. Peyton Pritchard freshman year vibe to you, honestly. It's the first thing oh. I noticed about you. Well, hey, I'll take that. I'll take uh, that. So He's a winner. Peyton Pritchard's a winner. Exactly. He is. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. So sure. we've had Peyton Pritchard and Keanu Reeves on this show tonight, so shout out to them. <laughs> but, um, big show. Yeah, no, no big deal, whatever. It's just what we do here at Breaking the Game, but – um. Nate, Cole, again, thank you guys so much for for coming on. We'll close out for tonight. We definitely got to have you guys come back on again, probably when the draft stuff starts kicking up and y'all aren't so busy pumping out these, you know, five page profiles on, you know, the 58th pick in the this upcoming draft. So um, with that being said, uh, thank you guys so much. Austin, as always, man, you're you're the best co-host a guy could ever ask for, man. Appreciate you. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I thank you guys for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. It's been fun to kind of, like Steven said, pick your brains and see where, you know, where I am in terms of how I feel about some guys. So it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. We appreciated having you on for sure. All right, guys. Well, we'll close out. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night, man.